0: Amen. I had to begin a series last week, uh, a grace series is what I'm calling it. Um, last week was a really, really, I thought it was a good message about the grace of God. And I really want you to, if you didn't get a copy, get a copy of that CD. I think, I'm not sure, I don't think that one's on the uh, online yet. Um, but um, the grace of God is absolutely Marvelous! When we begin to study it, study the grace of God, and understand what God's grace is all about, I'm telling you, it will really change your life. And so um, today, we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter six, and the subtitle of the message is "Shall we continue to live in sin?" Now, I know that uh, there are some of those, um, you know, out there that are always concerned. About people abusing the grace of God. And to be honest with you, there are many people that today abuse the grace of God. They take the grace of God for granted. In fact, uh, I like to use an illustration for an example. If a policeman pulls you over, and how many have ever been pulled over by the police before? Shame on you. And if the policeman gives you a break, the policeman says to you, well, you know what? You were speeding, but today is your day. You're going to be free. I decided to opt out and not give you a ticket. And he sends you on your way. Now I can't tell you how many wonderful testimonies I've heard about, you know, how God didn't touch that policeman's heart and I didn't get that ticket. But you ever notice, and, and, you know, when I pull people over and if, you know, and I was a working patrol, I used to have this thing on Sundays because I used to have to work on Sundays. And I hated working on Sundays because I couldn't come to church. And for me, I can't miss church. And that used to bug me. So one of the things that I did to honor the Lord on Sundays, and uh, this was before, this was after you, by the way. Uh, one of the things I would always do is if, if you were going to church on Sunday, this was your day. Unless you ran somebody over, you were going to get a break. And, you know, and people would just always get really, really excited about that. I felt, good. I felt like I was providing a service to the Lord. Lord, I'm not hindering your people from going to church this morning, God. You know, I really felt good about that. But not one time that when I pulled them over and cut them some slack, I never saw them. I never saw them, you know, speed off put their feet on a gas and just go screaming down the roadway celebrating that I didn't give them a ticket. Usually what they do is they drive, you know, obviously I don't let them out of their car, but they put the car in drive and they kind of drive very, very slowly. You all know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, right? So, so then you go like 20 miles an hour for a while until the police can kind of get out of sight and then you go back to your normal way after a little time, after you get through the shock of it all. But I can assure you that if (laughs) that if the person would have done that, that how many know that I'm getting in my car and I'm going to track you down? Because the grace of God have just run out on you. Because I'm going to pull you over and give you a ticket. Why? Because I didn't say to you "You use what the police says to you. He says what? He says, slow it what? Down. Whatever, whatever the offense was, don't do it. Slow it down. Now, notice the police would never ever say, you know, after he, if he cut you some slack, he gives you grace. The police will never ever say, now, hey, you know what? <laughs> you know, I'm going to cut you some slack today. Hey, I really feel good. Just go on about your life. Just keep on doing whatever you want to do. Just have a good time. Just go ahead and just tear it up. Police never says that, right? Because that would be disrespectful, right? That would show what? A lack of what? Gratitude. Concerning what I had just done. I just cut you some slack. So it is with the grace of God. So many people, God extends grace. He extends mercy. He forgives us of all of our sins. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. He makes us right with God. And then sometimes we kind of say, take it for granted and think that God's grace means that it's a license to sin. Just like the policeman that gave, that gave you a break, he wasn't giving you a license to continue to disobey the law. He was giving you, he was giving you grace because he just felt like it. It wasn't that you weren't wrong. He just felt like helping you, cutting you some slack. And so there's a doctrine that kind of floats around today that says that you can kind of live any way that you want to, you know, God understands, you know, God is a, he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. Surely God knows that none of us are perfect. And the reality is, is that he does know that. He knows that we're going to fall short. He knows the struggles that we go through. But the grace of God gives us the power to live a life above sin and unrighteousness. God didn't give us grace so that we can continue in sin. In fact, most of us, if we can recall, it was that particular lifestyle that brought us to God anyway. You know? You were, you know, you weren't being fulfilled, and any fulfillment that you had, it was temporary at best. It never the world never really satisfied you. So why would Christ save you? And then have you go back to the weak and beggarly elements of the world and be again in bondage. Why would he do that? He wouldn't. The grace of God is for our benefit and is given to us not because we deserve it, but because God decided to lavish his love on us. And the grace of God inspires you to want to serve God that much more. It's kind of like that policeman when you see him, man, what was that officer's name? Thank, thank God for that officer. That's a good officer. How many know God is a good God? And he extends grace and mercy to us. And this is a kind of a cheap grace today that says, you know, that we don't really have to be concerned about our lives and purity. And how many know that? The grace of God teaches us that we still have to be responsible for how we conduct ourselves. Not because I'm trying to be accepted, but because I have been accepted. And it's by way of showing my gratitude. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, that Christ was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Why? Because the works of the devil is the thing that wreck families, that wreck people's lives. And so Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Because the Bible says that, that, the, that the devil he comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. How many know the devil wants to kill and destroy your life? He wants to snuff out your family. He want to make your kids miserable. He want to do whatever he can to ruin you. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. Now, that abundantly may not look the way you think it ought to look. All of us have a perspective on what abundance is. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That means to the full real life, real living. And so we find ourselves in Romans chapter number six. The apostle Paul, if you studied the book of Romans, the, the book of Romans is a fascinating study because prior to chapter number six in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul is, is, has, has given a very, very eloquent description of what grace is. He described that you're justified by faith through grace alone in Christ Jesus. He he talks eloquently about he he gives the uh, you know he 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 lets us know the condition of man in Romans chapter one that all of us have fallen have fallen under the judgment of God and that Christ now is the answer he is the Savior of all mankind so as in one man Adam sin came into the world as in one man Christ those who believe will be saved and so. The apostle Paul describes it and he's talking about grace through faith. And and I'm sure Paul was thinking just like we're thinking. He was kind of asking a rhetorical question because the same thing happened to us today. And I'm sure back in those days, there were people who heard Paul's doctrine talking about, well, you mean tell me all I have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and then I'll be saved. You mean tell me I'll be right with God? You mean tell me I don't really have to try to work my way in? And you, you mean tell me I don't have to go through the A, B, C, D? I mean, come on, Paul! Certainly, there got to be more. I got to do more. And those that were attacking, that were saying, "Well, if that's the case, then people, well, you know, why not just go ahead and sin then? Go ahead and just, just live my life, just have a good time, party, drink, get drunk." Sleep around, shut up, hate people, be jealous, be angry. Why not just, just you can do it all because God has forgiven you. We we'll pick it up in Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who what died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as uh, as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, glory to God, that we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But for the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God. As being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law but under grace now i could almost just read that and say the end but i'm not going to let you off the hook that easy hallelujah paul uses an analogy how many have ever been baptized before baptized means to be immersed in this context it's to identify with when one is baptized They are normally dipped into the water, symbolic to all the world, that this is, uh, if you will, a funeral that's taking place. And so when a person right before the pastor, the preacher, or the minister dips them into the water, they're making a declaration that I want you to look at me because this person you see now will be no more. And so when that pastor dips you in the water, you are dying to yourself. And when he raises you back up, it's a picture now of you having new life. You are a new person. So when anybody come to to the Lord Jesus, all of us were dead. We We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And so when we came to Jesus, we said, Lord, save me. My life is a wreck. I need to be delivered. At that moment, what you are saying is, I am ready to die to myself. So baptism is symbolic of you dying to yourself. And so you are a dead man. But you have been raised to newness of life. The Bible says that our old man was crucified with him that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And I like how Paul said it because Paul said this. Paul says now, He said, I mean, it's almost like he's saying that's an oxymoron. He says, well, wait a minute. Why would you ask me could we continue in sin? Why would you want to do that? Because you died to that. Don't you remember? Don't don't you remember that when you came to me that, that you died to yourself? You died to your old way of living? Why would you even say that? And he says emphatically, he says, certainly not. Absolutely not. Why? Because you died to that old life. That old life has no more dominion over you. The grace of God gives you power to live a life that is reflective of the character of God. And so Paul, he challenges the Romans. He says, "Sailor not. He says, we are to walk in newness of life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That newness of life does not mean that I am trying to, to work my way into heaven. It means that now I have a new identity. I submit to you today when you see believers that are walking in willful sin and disobedience to God, if that's if we can call them that, that they are having an identity crisis. You know, one of the things, all of us have rules in our house, right? You come in my house, there's a certain way, certain rules that we have. My kids will tell you that. And Daddy, don't deviate from how we're going to do things in the house. And whenever our kids do something that's kind of like don't represent us, we kind of like say, what are you doing? We don't do that in this house. That's, that's, not, that's not who we are. What, what, what's the problem? Because you are a Bailey. You see? And being in the house of Bailey, you have to conduct your life a certain way because you're you're in the house. And if you come in my house, there's a certain way that we do things in my house. Because what? I'm your daddy. I'm your papa. Now, when you come into the kingdom of God, you have been given a new identity. You have been adopted. You have been adopted by Jesus Christ into the family of God. You have a new identity. Daddy, you have a new peppy, if you will. And now we are to live according to the standards of the house, the house being the Christian faith. So once you come out of of the world into the family of God, you need to learn the culture of a believer. That's why we talk about the importance of regular fellowship with other believers, coming to church and praying together, working together. Why? Because you need to learn the rules of the house of God. So that you can understand how does God run his house? What, what am I supposed to do? I've been saved by his grace. Now I need to understand how am I supposed to live? And so we have many people today that have an identity crisis. They don't really understand who they are. But boy, if you ever get a revelation of who you are, you're secure with that. How many people you've known that they would spend hours, perhaps you're one of those persons and years, you know, trying to find out who a mother or father was. Why that is so important. I mean, you've seen people do that. for. I mean, they will, they will just they would spend years doing that. Why? Because they're trying to find their identity. Because if you want to know where you're going, you got to know where you come from. So many people have an identity crisis. He said, we're the walking newness of life. That means, Daddy, what's the rules of the house? How do I discover the rules of the house right here? This is it. My kids, every now and then, you know, they are given instructions every day to read their Bible, to spend time in the Lord. And every now and then, because, you know, I'm a spiritual man and I'm praying, and I know you all too, praying over your kids got to show me when they ain't reading their devotion. Now it's amazing that how they can think they can pull the wall over Daddy and Mommy's. eyes. you ever thought about how kids always think they can pull that off? You know, they always think they got one up on Mom and Dad. You know. You see, I said to them, I said, look, that's a rule of the house. I said, you know, I said I said to myself, no, why do you think we're doing it? Because we just want to make your life hard. No, because you need to know who you are. You need to realize that you've been born again. You need to realize that you are a Christian. You need to realize that 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 the order of this house is set by Almighty God. And the way that we govern our house is on godly principles. Now, if they choose to rebel against that, woe be unto them. But as for me and my house, like Joshua said, we shall what? Serve the Lord. There is no option. We're going to serve the Lord. See, you have an identity. In Christ Jesus, so you had to walk like a new person. There ought to be a change in your life. You say, "I come to God," then there should be something that says. I can remember my my roommate, and I was in college, and uh, you know, I was out there. I was living a life in sin and unrighteousness. I got saved when he went to Maryland. Before that, we partied every weekend. Man, we got drunk. And I was in college, a we women that well, I just graduated, but we, you know, running behind girls and just doing everything that I possibly could to offend God. Didn't think I was at the time, but didn't really care a whole bunch because I won't save, I won't redeem yet. And I got saved when he left, and when he came back, he said to me, and I had, because you know, usually I used to have on certain kind of music, you know, party music, that go-go music. Anybody familiar with go-go music? he's like that Gogo music, right? Well, I, I put on some some of, that, some of that good Christian music. I'm not talking about that contemporary stuff. I'm talking about that. Yeah, I like that, don't you? And he walked in, right? He walked in the house. I never forget it. It's as if and this was like 18 years ago. He walked in the house. He looked at me, and he just <laughs> he just laughed. He said, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> he said what are you doing i said uh, man i got saved <laughs> what and he's laughing because he thinks this is a big joke it's no brother i you know i gave my life to christ man i decided i ain't going to live that way no more i'm tired of living i'm tired of living like that it's bringing me down you know i, I don't want no parts of the life no more I'm, I'm giving it up man he looked at me he said to me he said Okay, I, I heard all that. He said, look, you want to go to the club at night? They got free wings tonight, night, free drinks for a dollar. Come on, y'all. Y'all ain't been saved all your life, right? You know, you get do free drinks, a free buffet. Come on, Bailey, 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 got that free. I said, no, 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 brother. I, I, I can't go right there. And the point I'm trying to make is there was something that was significant, a change in my life. And when you are born into the family of God, there is something that people will look at you and say, what's wrong with you? What's, what's up? What's up with you? Are you crazy? Have you lost it? What? you talking about doing what? Going where? Please. He says, we're to walk in newness of life. The old order of things have passed away. Then he says that in verse number 12, Do not let sin reign in your body. Wow. Do not let sin reign in your body. So here's what that tells me. That even though I have been saved by the grace of God, my sins have been forgiven. I'm at peace with God. But I still have to struggle with the presence of sin in my members. In other words, there's a something there that's always wanting to pull me how I many you know your flesh when I say your flesh I'm talking about your old nature that part that don't want nothing to do with God how I mean know it's still there that old flesh there's always that struggle there's something that's keep trying to now, now before you came to Christ you didn't have that struggle you know why because you just lived according to the, whatever, you, whatever made you feel good if it makes me feel good I'd do it you didn't care if it offended God or not because you weren't there But now all of a sudden you come into the kingdom of God. The spirit of God has put his spirit on the inside of you. Now it's like there's this fight going on. There's this struggle that happens. And what that tells me is that I still have a choice. He said do not let means that I have the capacity to allow myself to be a slave to sin. That's why he says Sin shall not have dominion over you. That means that the grace of God, listen to me now, the grace of God has freed you. You're not like a like like a little puppy with a, you know, like Satan got some people like 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 a like a leash. And the way sin did was it just pulled us and wherever, wherever sin, we just went. Sin, we just automatically we just we just did it. But he says now that you have been saved and you've been saved by God's grace the power of God's grace has delivered you broken the power of sin over your life but you still struggle look at Romans chapter 7 for a moment verse number 13 flip over he says I'm going to start reading verse number 14 and this is the apostle Paul for we know that the law is spiritual But I am carnal. Sold under sin. He's talking about his old nature. For what I am doing. I do not understand. (laughs) For what I will to do. That I do not practice. But what I hate. That I do. If then I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that it is good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Look at verse 20. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that is uh, at law, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Look at verse number 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin and death, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now watch the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. So Paul here is communicating that we still have to deal with the presence of sin. Wanting to to try and bring him into captivity to, to force him to go against God. He's explaining, not necessarily, now now here's the thing, Paul is not saying that, 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 that we have the license to sin, but what Paul is merely doing is, he's tracking down the source of sinful behavior. He's not excusing it. He's tracking down the source of it. And so what he's saying is, you know, hey, you know what? I don't like why I have to think these thoughts. I don't like having to fact I got a battle with lust. I wish it were just a situation where I would just naturally just, just not even have to worry about it. But he knew he had to discipline himself. He had to say no. But he said, here's, but here's the thing, though. Whereas before sin had do, dominion over him, now Paul says, Look, who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, I am a wretched man. But then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. In other words, sin don't have dominion over me no more. So with the law of my mind, I'm serving God. Yeah, my flesh, that stuff is still going to be there, but you know what? It has no more power over me. It has no more dominion over me. So I am free to live the way that God wants me to live. I need, I need an actor. I need somebody. I need somebody. Come here. Come here, Dominique. Come here. Glory to God. Now, Y'all, you're going to help me preach my sermon this morning. You're going to help me preach my sermon. Now, here's what I want you to I want you to take that jacket off. Ready take it off? Now, I want you to, you're not that clean. You okay? You got some jeans, you're okay. Go ahead, lay on, lay on the floor. Just lay on the floor. All the way down, lay back. Now, I want you to play dead. You ever play dead before? All right, you're dead. You're dead, right? Say I'm dead. All right, so no matter what I do, okay, you're dead. You don't respond to anything I do. You understand that? Uh-huh. Don't, you're dead. I want you to close your eyes. You're still talking. You're dead. Dominique. 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 Hey, you know, it's okay to lie, steal, and cheat a little bit. I mean, God don't mind. You know, Dominique, hey, look. You know, you know, they all the government's always taking all your money anyway. So it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Cheat a little bit on your taxes. Come on, man. Come on. Let's do it. You can do it. Come on. Hey, man, you know what? You have every right to get angry. You need to go over there and just pop them in the head. They should not have never said that to you. Come on, man. Come on. Let's go get them. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, what about lust? Oh, hey, man. You know what? God don't mind. You can have all the, the ladies that you want. I mean, come on, man. Come on. You can, come, come on. Come on, man. You can Dominique. Hey, come on, Dominique. Oh, you can be as greedy as greed. Greed. You know what? Dom? you can have all you want, Dominique. All you want. I mean, you can be greedy and just get everything and store it up for yourself and don't care about nobody. Look, sing that song, Dominique. It's all about you. God don't want you caring about nobody for you. Because nobody's gonna care about you if you don't look all for you, right? So man, so look, Dominique, it's okay to be a little selfish. Come on, Dominique. It's all about you. It's all about you, man hey hey good job you're gonna rise from the dead now good now you see that analogy there the bible says to reckon yourselves dead to sin you notice how that and he did a good job And i didn't even rehearse it that was good get in drama class son get in drama But you notice how he didn't respond. That's how we need to be with sin. When the enemy tries to tempt us to sin, you need to look at the devil and say, no, no, I've been set free. I ain't going there. You understand, I've been changed. You don't have any more power over me. You have no more power over me. Well, you know, you need to come do this. You need to come. No, no, I'm dead. I don't respond to unrighteousness. Because I've been made right with God. Listen, I have now grace and the presence in me to live above that. I'm not going to respond to that. The Bible says that we are to reckon yourselves dead to sin. But alive to what's right in God. Alive to righteousness. And so we learn to yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Look at uh, the Gospel of John, chapter number 8. We're almost done. I'm going to be done in seven minutes. Is that okay? How about 20 minutes? How about another hour? I, <laughs> oh, here we go. Watch it, watch it, watch it. <laughs> See, I'm one of those preachers. I'd like you to talk back to me. It's okay. Just tell me how you're doing. Let me know that you're out there. You know, something like that. <laughs> in John chapter number eight, You know what, I'm not going to read it, but you can look at it. It's in John chapter number 8, verses 1 through 11. Here a lady, remember, we're talking about the grace of God and how the grace of God does not teach us to live in sin and disobey God. The grace of God causes us to live above sin, not submit to it. So here in this particular passage of scripture in the Gospel of John, this woman was caught in adultery. And if you read the story, one of the things that you'll notice that they brought the woman but they didn't bring the man because they were ready to condemn her. Have you ever noticed that how Christians are always ready to shoot one another down? you ever noticed that? Boy, the minute that somebody sinned or do something wrong oh, who oh, he did what? 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 Oh my goodness. Tell me some more. It's amazing That that we always want to look to condemn people. The sooner somebody falls down, that we're quick to run up there and want to say, well, you know what? There you are. We love to shoot our wounded. The Bible says, let him who stand be careful lest he fall. So Jesus, he saw what was happening. And Jesus set this woman free. First, Jesus dealt with those. He dealt with the ones That were trying to, that were bringing her before him to let him know what she had did. Jesus dealt with them. He said to them, He said, "Let him, let he who is among you who is without sin cast the first stone." Suddenly, everybody started walking away. Let he who is among you, who, whoever is sinless, who have no sin now. The law says that the woman's supposed to be stoned to death. Oh, yeah, that's true. The law says that, okay? But if one of you guys have no sin in you at all, I mean, if you're perfectly right, go ahead and throw the first stone at her. The Bible said they all dropped the stone, and one by one, they said, see ya. And then Jesus looks at the woman. He says to her, he says, woman, where are your your accusers? She said, I don't know, Lord. He says, "Look, neither do I condemn you." And he set her free. Now, talking about the grace of God, did he not show grace and compassion toward her? Yes. Was she guilty for committing adultery? Absolutely. But what did he say? "Go, but sin no more." Go, but don't sin no more. And so grace isn't like a, a, a kind of grace with no limits. He says, go and don't do it again. Yet, he shared great love and great mercy with her. But the grace of God doesn't teach us to continue with sin. It teaches us to live above it. Amen. Amen. In Titus chapter number two verses 11 through 15 and I'll read this and we're done and you can write this scripture down I think this really explains what the grace of God is all about Titus chapter number 2 verse number 11 and it reads for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all of us all men here's what the grace of God teaches: us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might re- that, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. He says the grace of God teaches us three things one to live holy and righteous it teaches us number two to deny worldly lust and that's just not just talking about sexual sins but that's talking about any kind of lust a lust for power a lust for pleasure a lust for fame and it teaches us to live soberly that we're to be those who are watching we're not to be as those who don't know God who just kind of live our lives recklessly and aimlessly But we're to be those that are sober, that we understand and know the times and the seasons and know what God is doing. And so the grace of God is your friend. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, the grace of God is your friend. You remember that. The grace of God does not give us a license to sin, but it gives you power to live above it so that you won't live your life anymore struggling. And so... Next week, we're going to talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit and the importance of how the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you to a life of freedom and joy. You want real joy? You want real peace? Do it God's way. You have all the joy and the peace you really want in life. I mean, that good kind of peace, that kind of peace that that people won't be able to shake off of you. That they can, you know, you won't be saying that people just get on my nerves. You'd be saying, I didn't need to pray for that brother. I just need to pray for that sister. They got a problem. I'm free. Hallelujah. You can take your nasty spirit, all that stuff away from me. I am free as a bird. Do what you want to do. I'm free. Because I'm not going to let you pull me down. Oh, no. The grace of God gives you the power to walk above all that so you can live a life of joy, peace, and happiness. Isn't that good? he stand to your feet and give God a praise for his grace. Hallelujah.